0: You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. I'm health editor Dallas Bastian, and I'm joined by RN Vanessa Craymond to discuss her work leading the emergency support desk of medical humanitarian organisation Med Sans Frontieres. Thank you for joining me, Vanessa.
1: It's a pleasure.
0: You started your career as an RN working in HIV. How did you come to transition into working in humanitarian aid?
1: It's it's a very good question and I wish I could exactly remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that when I did my interview for my when I started my, my nursing degree, um I remember someone saying, oh, Where do you think you'll be in five years' time? And I said, I think before I even thought it, it came out of my mouth that I said I, I plan to be working in the developing world. Um so I was really lucky with my first um uh job out of out of university to to work in infectious diseases and it just reminded me um what it's like to work with people with sort of unusual um uh, sometimes complicated uh, diseases and infections. And, and a, a big part of that, was, this was 97, 98, um, well, of course, with the tail end of, um, you know, the, the real emergence of, of, of the HIV pandemic around the world and certainly in, in Auckland, um, working with people who were at various uh, points in their in their disease um, and willing to live with HIV. And it was the year that the protease inhibitors came out and really we were starting to see that major shift for people um, living um, instead of having to, to to think about that prospect of having a shortened life and, and a complicated health uh, situation. So yeah, it was a really it was a really pivotal time within the HIV community, and I knew I wanted to do more. And so I was I was lucky then to to go on and work in the UK, um, working in HIV care, and, and again starting to really feel that the experience of of working with people from so many parts of the world um, living with with HIV. Um, so I certainly started to work more with the sub-Saharan African populations in London. And uh, from there, I decided that I, I really wanted to go and, and work in Africa. So I started to work in Botswana with, a, with the Gates Foundation, rolling out uh, large-scale HIV programs um, around Botswana. This is a country that had a phenomenal uh, rate of infection, um, declared it an emergency in 2001. So the, the national response was, was enormous, and it was just it was a great eye-opening experience to... To be on the ground at, at such a critical time, starting to address some major health needs for the population, um, we couldn't look anywhere in Botswana without seeing the effects of HIV. I used to drive past a, a cemetery every day and just, you know, in awe every day to see more and more people being buried at that time. And and I, I can only but think now just what a changed environment somewhere like Botswana is with the advent of antiretroviral access and and, and good management of of health programs that have that have seen a lot of people survive that. So from there, I just um, kept going, I guess. Then I worked in Nigeria and then eventually came to MSF um, in 2006 uh, with a couple of years behind me of already working working um, in the developing world. But yeah, started to, to work again in HIV programs working for MSF.
0: Until recently, you, you worked as an emergency medical manager with MSF. Uh, what were some of the key focuses for, for you in that role and what were some of the conflicts or events that, that you covered?
1: So MSF, um, as a you know humanitarian medical organization, our our, our goal is to to be, be places where others can't and and often that's in that, that crux of um, of conflict, uh, war, plus then uh, you know humanitarian and, and, and medical um, crisis. So over the last uh, five, six years, of course, um, Syria has, has dominated, um, and that's of course spread into into Iraq. Um, situations like Yemen, um, conflicts in South Sudan. Um, so certainly, my over the over the years of my my time and, and, and now 13 years with MSF, um, I guess my my interest comes in, in working in complex uh, humanitarian crisis and complex emergencies where you have that 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 real interface. You have um, mortality and morbidity that needs to be addressed alongside the, the challenge of of those working environments. And I think Syria has proven and proves to be probably one of the more challenging. Um, environment to try and find space to work, um, and to provide relevant um, services and, and, and a medical response in proportion to what the population on the ground needs. So it remains probably the the one in my mind anyway that that, that has been the most challenging to date. They're all all difficult, um, all places where people are, are forced into into crisis. Are, are you, know, you have a visceral reaction to those kinds of places, and, and you want to do the very best you can to to help as many people, but um, the tools and the toolkit that you need to to work in places like Syria certainly have been uh, have been harder to identify.
0: You recently wrote an article for the New Zealand Medical Journal that that explored the toll of war on the health of Syrians. What do you hope people understand about the state of health in Syria uh, at the moment?
1: I guess the, the first time I was in Syria was in two thousand and thirteen, and that was already um, already a couple of years into the into the crisis. And I guess if you uh, even for me, as I was as I was learning a- about this this country and about this war, I, I you know you rely on what you see on the news, and and if you rely on that, then it, it looks like you know places are being bombed um, persistently, and and you know the the terror that that must bring. But there are many series of big country, and at that point in 2013, there were many parts that were were largely unaffected um, by the sort daily event of war. Um, so the the, the neighbouring communities, the rural areas um people were just trying to get on get on with life and 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 main, maintain some sense of normalcy and i guess you know thinking about what the what the health infrastructure was like in syria before the war it was, it was pretty good it's what what those of us from australia and new zealand we would we would recognise um you know most of their infectious diseases were were largely controlled um they bat, they battled the the communic- non-communicable diseases uh uh, just like we do, you know, diabetes and lifestyle diseases and the you know, effects of smoking, and you know, they had good control on on immunisation, and so you know there wasn't so many uh, outbreaks of of vaccine preventable diseases anymore. It looked looked largely like the terrain that, that we would recognise, people getting sick with with cancer and and, and other things that, that that we know, and then suddenly to to have the effect of war start to to really take its effect on the functioning of those systems and those services um so then people can't get their diabetes medicines anymore they can't get um their children's epilepsy medicines um easily in the marketplace they're having to to switch meds um all the time just buy whatever dose whatever strength they can find and then on top of that to compound that to to see that um that regression in health that return to seeing uh, vaccine preventable diseases um that collapse of of the basic healthcare and emergency infrastructures um you know for example just you know the fact that now Bathing practices has become really complicated. So for women living in Syria, you know, they often will opt if they can to travel for a cesarean section because the risks of having a, a home delivery or just, or a delivery in a facility and it going wrong, and they're not being able to move safely to to have uh, a surgical intervention becomes so much more complicated. So yeah, to see that just real change in that texture of of what war has done um, and eroded the the population's health and access to healthcare, which you know, as we come back to, it's a fundamental human right to have access to healthcare and something that shouldn't be a, a luxury. It's a, it's a right for everybody to have access to, to essential healthcare. So yeah, I guess I, what I hoped people took away from from that piece is just to, to give it, the to understand a bit more of the texture of, of a war zone like that, which is complicated and looks different from what it looks like on, on the television.
0: What was it like for you to to see that change take place? What see the effect of war and and work for MSF at a time when you're restricted in the humanitarian aid that you're able to provide?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the things that you need um, to to work in environments and and work on contexts like Syria is a, is a bit of tenacity. So mm-hmm. you know that persistence that every every time something gets more difficult, then you just have to rethink and. And reorientate and, and find new ways to do things, and I guess that's the beauty of working for an organisation like MSF—is that it's constantly changing, constantly adapting, and uh, so you need to, yeah, maintain that sort of level of persistence and, and and tenacity really helps. And you know, when I stepped away from 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 that job last year, you know, I did so knowing that I, you know, done everything I could do over the the last few years, but I'm also happy to let some fresh eyes get on the context and and maybe think differently. And that's also the the beauty of MSF—is is, is um, having really skilled colleagues um, uh, who, who may come at a problem a different way than, than, than I've been approaching it in the last couple of years. So always excited to see that next that next turn or, or that next opportunity that we can try to reach more people with, with more meaningful healthcare.
0: What advice would you give to someone who is, who is thinking about entering the field or who, who may be starting their first day in a similar role to that which you held?
1: Um, I think it took me a long time to get to to being on the emergency desk, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I worked in the field for a number of years. And um, before I joined MSF, I think I was always looking um, to make sure that my skill set was as strong and, and and versatile as possible. So, I guess my 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 advice would be for people who are who are wanting and interested in the humanitarian um, arena to to school yourselves. Um, you know, there's lots of great online courses. There's uh, ways to to really understand what's happening within the humanitarian sphere. Um, and then on, the, on, a, on a medical side, I think um, you know, think about where you work and what you get exposed to, and, and, and how does it challenge you, and, and work and with populations or in areas where you'll you'll learn different things, so that your skill set is as strong as possible. You know, we're never all we're never experts in anything. We're always all learning all the time. I learn every day, um, but just try and make your, your skill set and your, your your competent level um, as, as high as you can in, in different areas. So from general medicine to emergency medicine to to emergency obstetrics and, and, and child health and, and really think about those, those areas. And then, of course, you yeah, have where you can uh, to, to add on an, another layer of public health, like I did uh, did a, a Master's in International Health um, here in Australia a couple of years ago, and that, of course, just gives you that extra understanding of, of the, how health systems work and, and that interplay between um, all the different components and, and services and social determinants of health that, that keep people healthy and keep populations healthy, and knowing that's really useful. And then I think as well when when people work in the field, um, you know, there's there's good days and bad days, um, and uh, you will see things that you'll uh, you maybe never imagined. You'd see your situation be in situations where which you didn't didn't plan for. And I guess you have to to just go in with that, um, knowing that it all um, makes you as a practitioner better, um, and and to make sure that you're 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 clear on on, on why you're there and, and who you're there to help and to do what you can. Um, MSF has a, somewhat of a, an ability to, to live in the, in the very short term and that can be sometimes really challenging to not know what's ahead for, for the people that we, we are there to assist. But it's about saving people's lives today and tomorrow and next week and, and hopefully there's a whole constellation of other agencies and other organisations that, that have that longer term view and to sort of know where we are as, as MSF or you know, as an emergency actor um, in that first phase of response is, is really important. Um, and then to look after yourself because I guess it is, as I said, you know, you do get exposed to a lot of things and, yep, to have good friends and, and good good uh, social base and uh, people to debrief with. And um, just like we have when we work in hospitals here in Australia, you know, you, you go out with your mates afterwards and, and, and debrief and, and unwind and, and unravel things. And, and that's really important as well to stay, to stay sharp and stay good um, and to also make sure that you can process everything that you see and, and everything that you do so you can keep doing it again tomorrow.
0: And what will you turn your attention towards
1: next? Uh, so in the last uh, couple of months, I've been um, in Uganda, um, helping with a, a response for South Sudanese refugees into Uganda, and I really enjoy um, working in acute displacements. It's, it's quite a recipe of things to get done um, to help people stay well in those situations. Um, I've also been working on... Um, Looking at how for MSF we might access a vaccine in the future for hepatitis E, which is a, a viral um, viral infection that we see commonly in displaced populations. And then and while I'm finishing up that, in the next few months I will head to head back to the Middle East um, to work on on at field at ground level um, on the on the response for MSF. And I guess coming back to some basic principles of working in the field on the on the closer to the to the front line of of, of the health crisis and and see. Uh, how I can continue to, to do more on that side of things.
0: And what keeps you going to to continue to help in this way?
1: Um, I think uh, surrounded by great people. Um, so, you know, I work with some of the most imaginative, creative, um, uh, humble people um, who are really keen to to keep doing the job that MSF started to do, uh, you know, close to 40 years ago um, and to be there in the moments when nobody else can be. So yeah, I guess the people around me and and my workmates are huge. The support of my family and friends um, uh, super super important and and keeps me going. And I think you know you just can't take away. Um, often people often people say things about you know the this kind of work you know and how. Uh, you know, giving or, or how much it, it, it must be great, and you know people. I, I think try to glorify it in some ways, but I think at the end of the day, I get a lot, as much back from doing this kind of work as I give. So you know that constant sort of feedback mechanism of, of of being able to see the the product of what you put in, and and hopefully then see the benefits on on for the health of the populations that we're that we're serving. So you know it's a you get back as much as if not more than 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 the hard work that you have to put in.
0: Thank you for your time, Vanessa.
1: No problem.